0: Adrian here. As Emma and I reported this episode Monday evening, a particular event was, and has been, looming over Hollywood for quite a while. That has now come to a head, because as of publishing of this episode, the Writers Guild of America, West and East, has now gone on strike, as they seek out better benefits and more pay to better support themselves in a streaming-first era. While I cannot speak for Emmett himself, I am hopeful that WGA and the major media production companies are able to come to the table in the midst of this historical strike, the first in nearly 16 years, so that we may all continue to enjoy the scripted shows that we love to watch, especially animated programs. As the show stopped production temporarily, I lend my support to the many screenwriters who are affected by this strike across TV and film. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode and appreciation for all the screenwriters. Any other people involved in the tunes that made us, as we wait for a positive conclusion to this work stoppage.
1: Today on the Zachary and Peaches Show, we're getting personal with the tunes that made us.
0: From Warner Pets to My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, we're sharing our personal experiences with these animated properties and more.
1: And we'll also have some thoughts before we enter our mid-season hiatus this month.
0: That's all coming up on today's edition of the Zachary and Pija Show, May 2nd, 2023. Hello and welcome to the Zachary and Pija Show, everybody. I'm Adrian Mata.
1: And I'm Emma Settles.
0: And, uh, well, this is... This is our last episode before we enter our mid-season hiatus. Of course, Emma is uh, coming up with, um, not coming up with, but coming up to graduation.
1: Yeah, oh, man, it's this is overall a very surreal time of my life. Honestly, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. I'm I'm kind of on low energy today, and I have been for the past couple of days. I mean, it's understandable, though, because I finished my thesis, my honors thesis, I was helping out with someone else's thesis, so technically I had three theses I was working on. Two of them were my own. Uh, One of them was, as I said, a friend's, and I was contributing art and stuff to that. But yeah, no wonder I'm, I'm a little, (laughs) a little spacey and tired today. Um, but you know, that being said, I think I only have two? (laughs) Yeah, two. Two more assignments left. Uh, and from there, I think, it's funny, I think school technically ends this week, (laughs) <laughs> for everyone, including seniors. Uh, but I have to be up here an additional two other weeks because of A. Critiques, and B. Graduation. <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck in the city. when a majority of my friends, besides, you know, all my senior friends, of course, would have already gone home. <laughs> or just, you know, left campus, or if they're, uh, you know, if they live in, somewhere in the city or somewhere nearby but yeah, um, overall, things have been pretty surreal, and hopefully i I can get some energy out when uh or you know get myself some more energy once i once i you know actually do more recording for the the episode tonight um usually whenever I do say that it it means it does happen, especially you know if I get really passionate about a subject and since this is this is a very personal episode for both Adrian and I, I think. That moment will probably come. Uh, I just need to kind of sort of give it some time in order to kick in. (laughs) Uh, Oh, well, you know, things are, uh, you know, either way, things are still looking up. It's graduation season. I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to uh, get the heck out of Dodge, as they, uh, as they say. In fact, I've been talking with my mom a lot over the phone i I'm talking to my roommate, and we're both like, yeah, we're just, uh, <laughs> you know, my my roommate and I are both like, oh my god, and we're so ready for school to be over, and <laughs> I call my mom, and every time I do, it's like, I'm ready to come home, mom, and mom's like, I know, give it another three weeks. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh. Things are going to be good. If anything, um, you know, an additional two weeks up in Philadelphia means, you know, I can just go places and do things that I didn't or haven't, you know, done before or have only done a few times due to the fact that I've been so busy with school. So, you know, at the very least, there's that and I'm looking forward to that, especially since I'm thinking about going back to the uh, Philadelphia Art Museum. Or a few other places here and there. But yeah, not everything's kinda up in the air at the moment. But I will I'll make plans accordingly and uh Yeah. First I gotta pack up my dorm. <laughs> There's still so much stuff I need to pack. But you know, that'll that'll come later, especially since I, I don't wanna live in like a bare, boring looking room <laughs> or Three weeks because I feel like I'd probably go insane. <laughs> I need I need some kind of stimulus. Something to look at. Um
0: You gotta keep that sanity meter up.
1: Oh yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I gotta keep my sanity up. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, as we keep saying, you know, I gotta put that gotta put that mental garland on. And, uh, for me, that's just, you know, having my room be decorated with a bunch of stuff that I just really love and, you know, as I said, keeps me sane. Uh, speaking of sanity mechanic, uh, (laughs) though, and you're probably sick of me talking about this subject, uh, so I apologize to everyone in the, the, um, (laughs) <laughs> who's been listening and has heard all these conversations. And I'm also kind of reiterating this from DeviantArt, so if you follow me there, you already you know this probably. But displaced placed my second clay shop order. Uh, so I got myself a graduation present, and that's wonderful. Uh, as you guys know, Don't Starve's 10th anniversary was recently, and I bought their 10th anniversary t-shirt and a Wilson plushie, and I've been waiting for him to release for months. Especially since I think they said they were had like a Kickstarter event back in November or December or something, and then the Wilson plush would come with something else for another game that I wanna get into, but it's it's hard, so <laughs> um but yeah, you know, that's that's an entirely different story for an entirely different time. But yeah, they finally released the Wilson plushies, so I'm getting him and I'm getting a T shirt and I'm very excited. Um it's gonna it shipped to my house obviously so as the mailroom is probably going to close um in another week or so at the very earliest you know all the more incentive to want to come home if you know <laughs> if if seeing my family wasn't enough of an incentive <laughs> already <laughs> but yeah you know i digress how are you doing adrian
0: well, first, I do want to ask, how is your sister doing? Because I heard she's up in New York right now.
1: Oh, yeah. She's, from what I can tell, she's doing okay. You know, if you're listening, hi, Bex. You rock, literally. Um, <laughs> musician joke. But, fail, whatever.
0: <laughs> I got you know, it.
1: Musician joke. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, she's, she seems to be doing okay. She's slowly wrapping up her own school year. It's funny, I think um, <laughs> her move-out date for her her, um, her last week of school is my, the week of my graduation. So, <laughs> that being said, immediately after I graduate my mom is going to have to take my sister back up to uh, New York and move her out of her dorm. <laughs> so I'll be riding home with whoever else is coming to graduation with me, probably my dad or something. And my mom will be riding back up with my sister, probably, probably taking her car and moving my sister out. (laughs) Because my sister's move out time is like right after my graduation, which couldn't be any more inconvenient, but her school has weird move out protocols. So yeah, they, she couldn't, Stay, move out sooner or stay later or whatever, and like we can. Even though our residence halls technically close, I think, on like the 12th or something like that, uh, seniors are allowed to stay up until the 19th. But you know, I'm moving out my graduation day. So basically, to be like after the ceremony, well, first I'm picking up my sister, obviously from the train station, then I'm meeting my mom and my sister back up again, and then we're gonna go to the thing. Graduation will be great. I go to a reception for like 10 minutes just to say goodbye to people and get some like hors d'oeuvres or something just to, you know, tide me over because I probably won't. (laughs) Hopefully I will have a decent breakfast that day, but I don't know. (laughs) Mom did suggest Dunkin' Donuts, so I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, there's, there's still no guarantee that we will even be able to get anything at the train station or anywhere near it because, you know, things will be hectic that day. With even with, you know, picking my sister up and then going back over to the hotel and wrapping some stuff up there and dealing with stuff in my dorm and then actually going to the graduation. And yeah, I don't want to think about it right now because if I do, I'll probably just get massively overwhelmed.
0: (laughs) And the sanity mean is going to go down too.
1: Yes, I can feel it slowly dropping.
0: (laughs) So here, so here, so. So let me go ahead and tell you. Let me go ahead and tell you like how the past week has been. Wednesday, I was at this. I was at this sandwich shop called uh, Blondie's over at the Two Lagoon section of Islands and Adventure, and it went by okay. We just made like some sandwiches and and also served some hot dogs over there. So that was pretty much about it. And then Friday was, of course, uh, second and final grad bash of the season. And at this time, I was over at uh, one of the car- one of the carts at Two Lagoon. So it was oh, the icy car. Yeah, so it was the icy cart. There's like a bunch of icy, icy flavors over there, like some cherry, wild cherry, Coke, cherry limeade, blue raspberry, lemonade lemonade. Um, and I think that's re- I think that's really about it. I think th- I, there is one other flavor that I can't. Oh yeah, Fanta Orange, Fanta Orange. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. ICYs. I haven't had I haven't had an icy in a hot minute. <laughs> I did get um it was funny. Yesterday, I I I get like little notifications on my laptop, like on the startup screen of like what holiday, quote unquote, it is every day. And yesterday was National uh, Bubble Tea Day, so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go get bubble tea today. So I went on a little adventure, and I got some bubble tea, and the best thing about that, and the reason why I'm bringing that up during your icy conversation, is because it was basically like, if bubble tea and, like, a frozen smoothie had a baby, and it was the most wonderful thing in the world. (laughs) So I didn't have an icy specifically, but I at least did have, like, a frozen fruit flavored beverage and it was it was wonderful i can't recommend boba king's mango tango enough especially since there's like whole chunks of mango in there it's it's not for a chef's kiss <laughs> yeah ices, man that's that's <laughs> it's funny it's like you know sign that summer's coming and I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll get something like that when uh I'm like just up here exploring during my off weeks. Um but uh, who knows. Still, uh how, were you up to like two or three or four in the morning with this grad bash? <laughs> like you were the last time?
0: Yeah, pretty much. So uh as usual I got up before two thirty and then uh I pretty much kind of stayed on property till like around um I'd say about three thirty or so. Mm-hmm. And that was when I got picked up via Uber mm-hmm. and then and then pretty much I got home around four o'clock in the morning. So at least at least it was a little bit earlier. At least I got home a little bit earlier than last time, but but still it was like a very, very it was late. still very late. Yeah.
1: yeah, oh my gosh. I don't know how I would be surviving <laughs> if uh, if I were in your shoes at this point because even though I'm still going to bed at like one or two in the morning most nights, I need a lot of sleep <laughs> because my energy level is like non-existent.
0: And your sanity level is—it's uh, kind I, of getting there.
1: It's not—it's—it's it's not perfect. It's yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's middling. Sanity is middling. Hunger is meh because dining hall <laughs> food is meh. <laughs> <laughs> but my health is great, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, hey if life was don't starve I'd still be winning <laughs> <laughs> shake my fist at thee Maxwell uh, no I ki- I'm kidding why would I do
0: that <laughs> why would you're I in love that? with Maxwell you're in uh, love with Maxwell
1: I am in love with Maxwell why would I do that <laughs> it's funny sometimes I tell myself whenever I'm playing single player and I haven't obviously unlocked him uh, in single player, because I will probably never beat single player because <laughs> it's that hard, but it's funny, every time I, I, you know, enter the portal into the adventure mode, I, I and, you know, he greets me at the start of the level, I'm like, please, I hope you know that I'm in love with you because I want you to make this easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he gives a spiel, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, thank uh, thank God you're attractive. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise I'd be cursing you out right now. Uh, the conversations we get into on this podcast.
0: Yes. <laughs> the whole our autistic lives and then everything and then everything else like right away. Jeez.
1: Exactly. I mean this is Whew. technically a part of my autistic life because I think it's 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 my curse. It's like every time I, I enter like a major special interest, I develop some semblance of feelings for at least one of the characters, and I thought it was going to be Wilson? (laughs) Wow, I was wrong. I was so wrong. (laughs) So, so wrong. Um, But, yeah, no, I'm not complaining. I've got a... I've got a Maxwell plushie now that I made myself, and he's wonderful, and I cuddle him every single night in order to get to sleep, so... Just another another little tool in my tool belt. Or, you know, surviving. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, I digress with all that nonsense. Um, So, yeah, I mean, speaking of of personal stuff, as we said initially, this podcast episode is going to be particularly personal, uh, especially since, you know, as... The uh, as the tease might have suggested, we are going to be talking a lot about some of the animated shows and movies. We're only talking about one movie, or at least I'm only talking about one movie, but you know, just any you know animated property in particular that has gave you know had a big impact on us specifically when we were younger. Which is funny because like I also recently did an assignment for one of my classes where I sort of reminisced on some of the the, the stuff that I used as coping mechanisms and things that I just enjoyed as a kid. And I'm pretty happy with that piece for the most part. I I remember (laughs) I spent all night doing it. (laughs) I finished it, and it looks cool. It was my first time rendering water texture, and that was hard, (laughs) to say the least. But yeah, I'm going to be talking... A lot about some of the stuff that basically made me want to become a part of this industry and you know in general gave me an interest uh in animation and adrian of course you are going to be doing a similar thing as well uh, you know not necessarily from an industry standpoint but at the very least you know as as you have countless you know said countless times as an animation fan or as an animation uh I don't know, appreciator, I guess.
0: <laughs> Enthusiast, actually. Enthusiast, but, uh, yeah.
1: yes, that's that's the better word. That's a better word. <laughs> that's a much better word.
0: My whole animation thing, it's kind of really taking me through, you know, taking me through this, uh, I'm going to take you through like a little bit of a journey on, you know, the shows and, and stuff that I've watched Uh in the past and up to like right now, Uh, I know there is one show that we have already talked about that I'm going to be talking about again as well. And uh, this, and I'm actually going to throw a curveball in here as well. I didn't discuss this with you, but I'm actually going to be discussing about another movie as well. That also had an impact on me personally, but uh, that, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, so we will get to that in in a little bit, but, uh, but the shows that, uh, that I've, but the shows that I've watched, they have been kind of really crucial To my journey, so to speak, especially, especially a certain show that kind of, I guess kind of led me over to, over to you and, and this whole friendship that, that started it up. So, so I can't wait to discuss about that. And yeah,
1: that's really,
0: that's, that's really all that I have got.
1: I mean, it's, it's really neat. I mean, I've, it's funny uh, this is like another thing that I'm kind of mentioning, and things are still kind of up in the air at the moment about this. But I have been talking with, um, believe it or not, therapists and people just like in the psychology field. You know, people who are affiliated with my school, of course. But my, some of my counselors and I have been talking about like the emotional impact of animation, in particular, specifically with. Um, both both young children as well as, you know, adult lives and specifically with like the neurodivergent community. So, you know, that being said, because of I've had a lot of extensive conversations both about the characters and the things that I love as well as just the general psychology of um what of what animation means to so many people regardless of age or background. I think yeah, this is just something that I can it's it's this is just, talking about personal things like this is something that i just i sincerely enjoy and i sincerely appreciate the opportunity to be doing uh, especially since hopefully once i graduate this conversation between the people i've been talking with about you know the as i said the emotional impact of animation on our lives growing up and on our lives in the future is that hopefully this could potentially lead into me maybe collaborating with them on some sort of paper in the future. There's very little academic literature about how important animation actually is for human psychology. So, yeah, this is something that's been kind of presented to me, and it's still sort of up in the air, so I don't want to completely say I'm definitely doing this, but, or, you know, we're definitely doing this, because I'm still, ta- I'm you know, talking to other people, too, but, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> there's, there's every possibility I could have an academic paper as one of my credits. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> After I, I graduate, and it, it's all on animation, it's all on the psychology of it, so, yeah um <laughs> yeah I, I dropped i kind of just dropped a uh <laughs> dropped a massive uh <laughs> dropped a massive bomb there <laughs> by admitting that, but you know yeah, there's every possibility that I could be talking about stuff like this in the future with people, but yeah, in general um this sort of you know uh, tying it all back to the nature of this episode. As I said, everything is we're gonna we're gonna talk about. This episode is super personal to us. I mean, everything that we have talked about already, at least most of what we talked about already, has been somewhat personal to us. But this is like getting down to the nitty gritty and really focusing and honing in on okay, what really got me into animation. And I think, I mean, all all of us animation lovers, whether we're in the industry, aspiring to be in the industry, or just a plain fan. Um, I think we all have that, like, one or that handful of animated properties that really got us interested in the art of animation. So that being said, let's eventually dive right in and discuss some of these things.
0: And uh, and by the way, that academic paper that you would mentioned, uh, that possible academic paper that you mentioned, <laughs> I think that really, what you said... I think that proves that animation is more than just another medium and that animation is not even a genre at all. Like it really has this, this kind of therapeutic effect on, on all of us really when we watch certain pieces of animation, be it a movie or TV show, whatever. So I think it's gonna be very fun to dive into, you know, you know, how these, um, how these shows and, and also in both of our, I guess in both of our cases, uh, our, the movies that we have watched have had an effect on us as human beings uh, as we go as we have gone about with our lives? So that's going to be really interesting to go into. So uh, anyway, uh, usually at this point I would throw it to the break, but uh, since uh, but since uh, this is kind of really our last episode uh, before our hiatus, I kind of I kind of have a little bit of surprise here. Why don't you throw us to break, Emma?
1: All right. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, it's funny. This is, this should be so easy and because I've never done it before, I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so nervous. But yeah, um, we're gonna go on a quick little break here and we will be right back with more of the Zachary and Peaches show. So stay tuned.
0: like emma settles i'm asia mata and we are back with the zachary and peaches show and let's get to it emma we've got we've got all these cartoons and pieces of animation that have shaped both of our lives here so where do you where do you want to begin here
1: so i mean (laughs) it's funny um if you do a massive zoom in on or just you know click the uh the episode title on Spotify if you're listening in Spotify uh, or you know wherever you're listening. You can probably tell what we're gonna be talking about tonight because we we prep pretty much everything <laughs> listed. Um I it was funny I was joking with you that uh, uh when you were making this like episode card as you always do, uh you were gonna be playing PNG Tetris <laughs> <laughs> as a uh, Uh, Yeah, so if you look at the PNG Tetris board, um, (laughs) for lack of a better term here, we're going to be talking about quite a few cartoons tonight, and hopefully we don't, like, I'll try, hopefully we don't go over time, or too far over (laughs) time, because we want to try to keep this as concise as possible, and listen to me rambling, it probably doesn't help that, um, (laughs) But ultimately, I feel like, um, you know, as we discussed, I think we should probably start and end this episode on something that we both have in common and something that was really foundational and really shaped who we are as artists and as people. So that being said, why don't we start out with uh, maybe a, a, a show name that you, that you know, you listeners haven't heard in a while, but uh, Wonder Pets... Or Pet, not even heard at all. Yeah, or maybe not even heard at all, because it is one of the... Uh, yeah, it's kind of one of the unsung heroes, quote-unquote, if you also pardon the pun there, um, of, like, Nick Jr., early 2000s Nick Jr. animation. But, you know, as I said before, Wonder Pets, let's talk about these cuties. Yes.
0: Yeah, so so this show was, uh, was produced by Little Airplane Productions and they used a bit of a unique method called photo puppetry. And what it is, is they take the photos of, well, in the case of let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Mimi duckling. For example, they took pictures of, you know, a certain, certain duckling. And, and from there, they just kind of modify it to where it's kind of, it it kind of becomes a workable character. And then you rig it up and then, and then voila, it's a, it, you've got a work, you've got a working character with, uh, with Mimi there but that's really the technical part that I've kind of wanted to get into. So I was into this show for quite a while back in like, um, 2009 and how long, and how long ago were you into this show, Emma?
1: I was probably in like, okay, so I'm trying to think about it, but I remember distinctly being in like first grade, like that, like late kindergarten, first grade and second grade that was like my my prime wonder pets uh fixation time uh i used to watch that show so much as a young child it was something that i was just i was so drawn to particularly because of the fact that um it was funny as a little kid i really really loved guinea pigs um, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily have would have called them like my favorite, favorite animals back then because that title obviously was like, you know, worded to stuff like bats and penguins, which are two of my favorite animals today. You know, that being said, I, I loved guinea pigs. So having a character, having a guinea pig character in a cartoon, you know, having having Linny exist in this this little world was something that I was just super drawn to. As well as the fact that the show basically was about, like, these adorable little superhero adventurer characters. Um, you know, as I said, Linny, and then Tuck and Ming Ming. And they went on all these different little adventures in order to rescue baby animals from danger. And we got so got to, like, hear a little bit of information about these animals and a little bit about, like, their envi- and habitats and stuff. As well as every once in a while there was a cute little song. But yeah, it was just, it was one of those shows that I feel like had a really profound impact on me as a kid because of the fact that, like, I've always been really drawn naturally to animal media, Um, (laughs) which is funny because a majority of my favorite characters now as an adult are all people (laughs) or human resembling. But, you know, even still, I'm still, like, you know, an Octonauts fan and a Bluey fan and... My favorite owl house character is king and i play pokemon and you know all that stuff and i draw animal characters all the time so you know that part has obviously hasn't left me wouldn't be a furry if if it had (laughs) to be completely frank with you you know that being said i think it's the fact that i had there was this show out there that existed told you about animals and told you about it in a way that was really charming and sweet and friendly and a lot of fun but also like you know it, it showed Basically, the, the power of the underdog, or the power of the little guys. Um, I think something that I really appreciated as a kid was getting to see, like, the adventures and misadventures, and, you know, triumphs, ultimately, of the underdog characters. And that's that's still something that obviously stuck with me today. But, you know, being a quote-unquote underdog myself as a kid... Uh, getting to see, like, you know, little characters making a big impact, I think really got, yeah, I think it was something that really stuck with me. It made me realize that, you know, no matter how small I am, or no matter how small other people make me feel, I still have a profound impact on this world, and as long as you give me a chance, I can do great things. And yeah, I I mean, I I don't think I realized that that's another reason why I was so drawn to Wonder Pets as a kid, but I think it's- it's one of the reasons why I stayed in the fandom for as long as I did. I think I- I I don't think I stopped watching it until, like, fourth grade. And it wasn't because, like, oh, it was babyish or whatever, it's because I kind of, you know, I moved on to other things. I mean, it was funny, I watched a lot of quote-unquote preschool animation up until I was in, like, maybe third or fourth grade. And obviously I still do today, because, I mean, like, Octonauts and Bluey are my prime examples and are two of, like, my all-time favorite shows. So, yeah, I've got a I've got a big soft spot for shows like that, especially if they're done really, really well. And I, I think I would probably put this show maybe not quite on a Bluey or Octonauts level, because I think there's a level of nuance and sophistication to both of those shows. That wasn't completely present in Wonder Pets, because, I mean, you know, it, it, it was a typical little kid's cartoon. But for what it was, it was really charming and really lovely, and it really got me to think, you know, at least as I got older and as I was examining myself, like, okay, why did I like this thing? Uh, Besides, of course, look, cute baby animals and, you know, guinea pigs. Uh, (laughs) Getting to watch something like that as a young child really had a profound impact on me. I don't think it was, like, my eye-opening moment of, like, you know, I want to do this for a living. You know, I want to be an animator because I don't think I even knew that that was a legitimate job back then. Um, but it was definitely something that, you know, I, I enjoyed. And it was one of those cartoons that I constantly went back to instead of like, you know, watching it once and then never returning or watching it only when, you know, it was on and I couldn't find anything else. But yeah, Ops to the Wonder Pets. You guys were adorable. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have anything else to say about it that I I didn't say already, Adrian?
0: I remember uh, printing off these coloring pages of the Warner Pets uh, back in like fifth grade or so. I was still obsessed with the show at the time, and my fifth grade teacher at the time, her name was uh, Mrs. Abrams. She was going to be uh, moving moving down a couple of grades to uh, to teach uh, kindergarten, and she was going to be teaching teaching kindergartners uh, the year after I moved on to middle school. So I basically just kind of decided to color in all these coloring pages that I had like compiled and pretty much just put them together in a book and you know, you know pretty decided to give it to her as a gift. Perhaps you know, some kindergartners they might find it to be a little bit they might find it a little bit nostalgic or well, not really not, not necessarily nostalgic, but but it just but just something colorful, something colorful, something nice to look to look at every once in a while like in the classroom so that's the one thing i kind of remember from that time when i was kind of really sort of in the warner pets fandom so to speak
1: that's really lovely also it's great to know that you uh, that i that you were a coloring pages kid as well because i was too i would go on it was funny The only reason why I went on the internet or knew what the internet was was because of the fact that I would just constantly search up coloring pages (laughs) and just print them out and, you know, and and work on stuff. Obviously, you know, I think I may have done a few Wonder Pets coloring pages myself even back in the day. Because if I remember correctly, I might have even had like a coloring book or something like that. Again, off topic, I suppose. But, you know, I'm glad to know that I was not the only, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I was I wasn't one I wasn't like the only one who was like absolutely obsessed with coloring pages <laughs> when they were younger. In fact, I still am obsessed with coloring pages. I have two bluey coloring books <laughs> that I that I that I color in whenever I just need a uh, a pick-me-up or a break or whatever when I don't particularly feel like doing my own artwork. But yeah, that's that's really sweet and I'm I'm glad that that was like one of your biggest memories like associated with the show and these characters and you know yeah that's 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 really wonderful
0: i also kind of got my uh my middle school band teacher to play the theme song on the on the flute once as well really? at the beginning of, yes at the beginning of class at the beginning of band class
1: that's so adorable oh <laughs> i love it
0: <laughs> i can't i think it was i think it was on flute I think it was on Flute, but it was, like, like so many years ago. But anyway, anyway.
1: That's adorable. That is so cute.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Warner Pets is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to two of these shows that, you, that kind of also influenced you on your way to becoming... Well, on your way to becoming an animator here. Animaniacs and Scooby-Doo.
1: Of course, yeah. So this was, like, even further back. I suppose. So I got into Animaniacs and Scooby-Doo probably when I was like three or four. I remember my mom and my dad, you know, were both very big into classic cartoons in particular. My mom had the entire first season of the 90s Animaniacs cartoon and I was utterly in love with it. I thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. I the characters are great. I thought all the little songs they did, once again, were great. I thought all of just the the humor. I thought it was like the most perfect cartoon ever. Growing up, <laughs> and it's funny. I think some of my, to a degree, I feel like some of my my relatively offbeat humor comes from just how wacky that show could be sometimes. And you know, obviously, as I got older, I started understanding more of the pop culture references and stuff. I remember. Back when the Hub Network was a thing, do you remember that?
0: <laughs> yes, I do remember when it was a thing here, and uh, we're and it also had My Little Pony: Friendship is Magic, which we will get into after you talk about Animaniacs and Scooby Doo. But anyway,
1: right, right, but yeah. Back when the Hub Network was a thing, at one point there they played Animaniacs on reruns, and I remember pretty much watching the my mom and I. You know, we'd, we'd watch the entire show basically, together, but that was not until I was probably in, like, maybe fifth or sixth grade or something along those lines. But yeah, you know, I digress from there. And then, of course, Scooby-Doo, I, (laughs) it was funny, you know, even as a young child and even as being, like, a relative scaredy cat as a kid, I was still very much drawn to the macabre in a lot of ways. I think, (laughs) it's funny, people talk about Scooby-Doo sort of being, like, their gateway to becoming like a Burton fan or a horror fan or just loving Halloween, and I, <laughs> I can I can, can I, I, I can I can agree with that because it was basically my gateway to it as well. I used to watch Scooby Doo movies, especially like the the '90s, early 2000s movies, like stuff like Witch's Curse, Zombie Island, um, all that stuff. That was that was like my jam <laughs> growing up. Uh, which is curse. I want to see that movie again. That was such a good one. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was it was funny. It was like it also kind of gave me an insight that, you know, Halloween also just didn't have to happen like once a year. It could be 365 if I really wanted it to. Specifically because of the fact that I really, really got attached to the Hex Girls <laughs> growing up. The fact that they had characters like that in a show. And the fact that they were just this powerhouse rock band with three goth ladies, and it made awesome music, and they were wonderfully sweet characters, and the fact that I just- I remember looking at, like, Thorn for, for in particular, like the one with the black hair- black and red hair, and I looked at her, and- I thought, I looked at my mom one day, I remember being in the car, like, driving, like, her driving me somewhere, and I was watching, um, well, I think one of the What's New Scooby-Doo cartoons with the X-Girls in it, and I remember look, asking my mom, ma- or telling my mom, Mom, when I grow up, I'm gonna be Thorne. <laughs> That's what I want to do when I grow up. And I'm like, can I do that? And she's like, yeah, if you want to. And I'm like, Yes! <laughs> I'm still not necessarily a true goth because, like, I, I couldn't, I-, I can't do with all those layers and, and jewelry, and I suck at doing makeup, and yeah, a lot of other reasons. But I'm, I'm, I'm that way on the inside. So I'm, I'm spooky. I'm spooky on the inside, and I wouldn't change that for the world. So thank you, Scooby Doo, for basically introducing me to the whole goth subculture. <laughs> In some ways. That, and I mean, of course, talking dog. If if there's anything you need to know about me, especially younger me, there was two things I loved, and it was Halloween and talking animals. And the fact that we had, a, and we still have, a show about a talking dog. <laughs> Sol- solving spooky Halloween-ish mysteries with his family, basically, is... Something that younger me adored, and older me was so thankful that I that I had uh, when I was growing up. In particular, that and just the the level of animation that went into all of those, uh, both of these shows in particular. I mean, Scooby Doo initially started out obviously as a Hanna Barbera cartoon, but once that company was eventually you know bought out by Warner Brothers, it became a Warner Brothers property. So, you know, that being said, I think I've always really been drawn to Warner Brothers style animation um, because when I got a little bit older, you know, I also started watching like the classic Looney Tunes and like a bunch of other stuff like that. So, you know, that being said, I I've always been drawn to that level <laughs> drawn, uh, <laughs> but I've been drawn to that specific style and that specific like method of animation. Which is funny because my own personal style, I feel, is a bit limited. <laughs> um, but then again, I also have wackier character designs with lot, lots, and lots, and lots of details and nuance. So no wonder. But yeah, overall, I think if anything, those two shows really influenced a little bit of my like stylistically, um, what I do, but also just you know a little bit of my humor, a little bit of my taste in future media. And, yep, pretty much I, uh, (laughs) I owe it to both Animaniacs and Scooby-Doo for basically me being the wacky, fun, goofy, somewhat goth that I am today. So, thank you to both of those particular, uh, people involved. Yes. All of those shows, so, yeah.
0: All right. Ah, uh, Animaniacs—the original version, at least, uh, can be bought on uh, various services like Amazon Prime Video or uh, or off of YouTube, actually. The full episodes of which, at least, and most, if not all, of the Scooby-Doo properties uh, can be streamed through HBO Max, soon to be called Simply Max, uh, come May 23rd. I I think that's that is the date. So those are the those are the places where you can you know watch uh, both of those cartoons. Let's get on to My Little Pony Friendship is Magic fan. So this show was kind of really the one that uh, I got into after of course Warner Pets got moved off from basically from the from the daytime and evening uh Nick Jr schedule. So My Little Pony was the one show that I got into. And at the time the at the time when I joined the fandom in 2012, we were in the we were in the middle of, um, I think, I think we were towards the end of season two, if I remember correctly. But uh, but I was in the show. And uh, this is kind of really the program where you kind of really get to learn about making friends and maintaining friendships and all that through all of these uh, interesting stories told through these my little ponies <laughs> for lack of a better term but but uh but those but those two years that I was in the fandom um from 2012 to 2014 I the one thing that I remember was basically just making desktop wallpapers out of that and and just out of like these vector illustrations of these characters including you know Twilight Sparkle and Rainbow Dash from from all these various episodes and just trying to uh, put together these uh, wallpapers in a way that, you know, made sense to me at the time. And so, so that's kind of really, that's kind of really how I kind of got started with graphic design, really. This was kind of really my, believe it or not, my gateway into that. So there's that. And then, uh, you know, obviously all the stories and whatnot, but also, you know, the fandom, you know, We kind of jumped the shark when Twilight became an Alcorn and all that, and then we got all these other stories, and then it's just, then Seasonal Rock, I think, kind of happened, but but that was, like, way after I left the fandom in 2014, so anyway, this was a, this was just a fun little program that I got into uh, during I think middle middle and uh, high school, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much about That's pretty much about it. That's all I feel like I can, I'm able to discuss about it. But, uh, but what are your thoughts about, what are your thoughts about this, Emma?
1: I mean, it's funny. It's like, I, (laughs) you'd think that someone who is like really, really deep into the furry community would be like really, really foaming at the mouth for My Little Pony. But that was actually more of, um, like, a younger me's kind of situation. I remember being into, like, I think it was, like, Gen 2 or 3? you know, before we got, um, before we got Friendship is Magic. Um, so that was, like, something that I collected as a kid, and I watched all the original animated specials and stuff like that, including a little bit of the 80s stuff. Um... So yeah, I really, it was something that I enjoyed as a kid, but it was something that I didn't really completely get into as a uh, teen slash young, you know, as a a preteen slash teen slash whatever. I guess the only reason why I wasn't necessarily gravitating towards it more was maybe because of the fact that, like, (laughs) I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth about, like, horse characters because I was... Long story short, I was bullied by a bunch of horse girls <laughs> in in elementary and middle school, so it was kind of like you know eh, I don't I'm not a huge lover of horses anymore. Now obviously that's that's sort of changed. I like unicorns a lot. Um, I, I have to. I they're my freaking school mascot. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. In general, I think to a degree, even without watching a lot of the show, because I saw a few episodes, like, oh, this is cute. Uh, I never really, really got deeply, you know, involved with it. But, you know, that being said, even a little bit of the MLP style sort of rubs off on my current work, specifically like how I draw eyes and with how I use all these wild colors and stuff like that and, and designing characters, so... Yeah, you know, that being said, it, it even in, it sort of indirectly had a little bit of an influence on me even though it was more of like me looking off of okay, what are the, you know, stylistic trends of the furry community and what can I use in my own artwork and take it and, you know, revamp it obviously and make it suit my own artistic needs, wants and desires and what and what feels good to my hand. But, yeah, it, it it's it kind of influenced my artistic Development to a to a slight extent, uh, not of as much as of course as you know all the properties I talked about before and some of the stuff that I'm talking about in the future. But yeah, I mean I think overall, even with the fandom being, yeah, just um, being the fandom. Yeah, even with the fandom being the fandom, from what I can tell at the very least, and from the little bit that I have seen, it was quite a nice show and it had a lot of really good things to say even despite, you know, seasonal rot and, you know, eventually jumping the shark and basically running out of a little bit of ideas. But, you know, once again, a majority of animation and television, period, experiences that anyway. So it's not something that's unique specifically to MLP film. But, yeah, I think overall. I find it really interesting, though, that you said it was kind of like what got you into graphic design. I think that's something that... Yeah, I think that was something that was that's, that's really neat. And I mean, I think just between... <laughs> it's funny. Just between you and I, but also not between you and I, because we're recording this. But um, back when you were making music, like, a lot, a lot, and you were using, like, a little bit of samples of, like, NLP uh, characters talking and stuff like that in... Oh, yeah. You did. I loved it's, some it's of the...
0: It's my, this is my past life we're talking about.
1: Yes, I am. I know we're talking about your past life, but I loved some of the stuff that you made. It was, it was really neat. I mean, it's funny. It's like, if there's anything that I can really give My Little Pony fandom credit for is that a lot of you guys, you know, not specifically talking to you, Adrian, because obviously you're not a part of the fandom anymore, but, you know, to any uh, MLP fans who might be listening, um... Props to you guys for being like super talented individuals for the most part. Like you guys can really draw, you can really make music. Uh, it's funny. I actually listened to a little bit of brony music, not specifically stuff that directly spot, you know samples stuff from the show, but was made by um was made by the people in the My Little Pony community because it, it every once in a while I, I, I listen to a lot of like. But I'm not listening to, like, my indie and rock kind of stuff. I will, every once in a while, put on EDM just to kind of get my blood flowing, and it's just something that I've liked ever since I was, I was young. And a lot of the indie EDM that I listen to is mostly done by furries and people of, of the MLP community, and there's a lot of crossover between that, obviously. So I found some of these really talented uh, MLP musicians essentially, you know, through looking uh, at music made by furry musicians so yeah that being said you got the props to props to you guys for being a pretty talented bunch for the most part is from what i can tell i'm not musically gifted at all i mean i could sing okay but ask me to make music and i will be like uh what are the what what are what what's what yeah mm -mm, i'm not musically gifted at all besides (laughs) that uh so anybody who can make music is like automatically amazing to me in my eyes. But you know, if you if you're a jack of all trades, like if you can draw and make music, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are the coolest person ever. So yeah, if anything, you guys are cool for the most part. Like even even despite some of the, the wacky goings on of your your fandom, you know, if you're as long as you're a decent human being and you actually follow some of the lessons of the show <laughs> Presents, uh, yeah, you guys are a talented bunch.
0: Yeah, there are some Republican bronies that, uh, you know, they don't, you know, there's some certain ideologies don't really line up with the show, but that's that's a whole different discussion anyway. Um, there is there is one musician that I wanted to point out. Uh, his name is Silva Hound, and he kind of really came out of the uh, My Little Pony fan with all of these uh, interesting tracks. Uh, based on the characters and the storylines that occurred within the show, and especially, and he was very involved with the the pony fandom, especially during *French his Magic*. Uh, nowadays, he's kind of really making music, uh, especially inspired by, you know, certain cartoons like uh, *Hasban Hotel* and *Hell of a Boss*, uh, which both of those were made by Pop. But, uh, but that's the one musician I wanted to point out who has. Uh, who kind of really got a lot of fame from, uh, from making these uh, tracks and songs uh, based on Friendship is Magic.
1: Oh, is is he the one who made Serial Dreamer?
0: He, he might have. Um, no, me, I, okay, I
1: Cut this out if I'm wrong, but I might actually quickly look on my Spotify because I may actually have one of his songs on my furry music playlist.
0: Okay, hang on.
1: Yeah, Silverhound. So yeah. he
0: did make that one.
1: He did, he did. Oh my gosh, I love that song.
0: I haven't, I haven't heard of that song like, like, if I haven't even heard that song, like, completely yet, but I haven't heard that in a long time. But It's um, a
1: great song. <laughs> um, it, yeah, once again, I, I, I discovered it through, like, you know, just browsing DM music, specifically made by, like, fandom communities, specifically, like, you know, just animal media fandom communities, not even specifically, you know, furries, but, you know, cronies and everything else in between so yeah that being said (laughs) yeah reiterate myself again you guys are a talented bunch (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
1: especially since one of my my favorite indie edm songs basically came out of out of the community so yeah props uh props to you guys even though i think that maybe vaguely inspired more by undertale i don't know
0: Oh, that might. Oh, that might. That might be it. That might be it.
1: Yeah, but still, whatever. It's 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 still made by Silva Hound, who you know obviously got his fame starting out with the Bronie community. But yeah, again, good job, you guys. <laughs> From what I can okay. tell, at least most of you are really cool,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: despite some.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic is uh. I believe like episodes of it are streaming on Hulu, and I did check Netflix. It is no longer there, but Generation 5 is on there as well. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in looking into MLP G5, there's the, there's the New Generation film. There's the Maker Mark series on there as well. Anyway, Corpse Bride.
1: Yes! Oh, my time to shine! You know, basically, I've been in, like, the Burton fandom since I was about maybe nine years old. It all started with, um, yeah, love it or hate it, I loved it, obviously, um, but the 2010 Alice in Wonderland adaptation really got me into his works. I, don't know, I, just, I liked the darker undertones, I liked, the, you know, the acting, I, I just liked it, I liked it. I'm I'm, not, I'm gonna own up to it, I liked it. So, <laughs> that being said, that kind of, you know, got me into the rest of his work. And, you know, as I got older and was starting to watch more and more of his movies, I was like, wow, these characters and these, these stories and these designs and just all of this really resonates with me. Um, because, you know, before we get specifically on the topic of Corpse Bride, but, you know, at that time... I didn't really see human characters that I really felt like I could sincerely connect with. I mean, of course, I had some other favorite human characters growing up, like Team Rocket is a good example of that. Like, I I really loved Jesse and James from Pokemon in particular, and I still love them. They're they're still relatively, you know, somewhat considered to be favorite characters. Heck, I've got a poster of them in my dorm. Um, But, you know, I digress with that. But even still, I, I really didn't really feel like there were many human characters in media that I really feel like I could connect with, and that I really felt like were uh, like I was looking in a mirror and seeing people like myself on screen. Like, I think there is a lot of like, yeah overall, I think this is really important for anyone to find to be able to see themselves, whether it be physically or emotionally, on screen. So I think uh the, the, the whole, I guess I kind of call it like the concept of act like me, I never really saw any characters that I felt like acted like me or, you know, saw the world the way I did. So that being said, even with enjoying a lot of media growing up, I still felt very, very isolated. And like, I still couldn't really relate to human characters because of the fact that it was like, they're over here and I'm over there and we don't gel all the time. But that changed, obviously. I think because of Burton's work, and specifically, I think, because of Corpse Bride, I was really drawn in particular to, I guess you could call him the main character, because, I mean, even though the film is called Corpse Bride, we really follow, you know, the journey of Victor Van Dort. who is was a lovely, lovely man. Uh, if you haven't seen the film, he is just this big walking ball of anxiety, and he is as many people who have worked on the film or have you know provided voices for the film or whatever if you know given the task to describe him but uh (laughs) he is basically a disaster waiting to happen and it was funny you know i think overall just because of the fact that he's just such this jittery fidgety anxious being that i I immediately saw him like wow this character and I would get along so well. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. It was it was like a match made in heaven there. Um, so yeah, Victor, I think, really got me to further examine my... I think he was one of those characters that... I think I started realizing more and more that I use animation in general and characters as a coping mechanism. Because, I mean, I didn't... Wasn't aware of the term, obviously... When I was younger, and I knew I always used animation as a bit of an escape, but I didn't have the words completely to express that or to, you know, think about that or that level of nuance in order to view media with a comfort lens besides, I like this thing. So, you know, that being said, by the time I saw Corpse Bride for the first time, I think I was like 11 years old, and it was on um, ABC Family, which is now Freeform, uh, during their Halloween event. And my mom was like, "You gotta watch this movie." I mean, I had never seen it before, but I really wanted to see it. I wanted to see it ever since it came out. And I, you know, I joined her and I watched it. And I'm like, "Wow, this is a really, really damn good movie." <laughs> Pardon my language there, but it's a really good movie. And I think overall, just getting to see, as I said, characters that I really could see myself in specifically with Victor being so anxious and not being a perfect hero. I think that's something that we see a lot in animation in particular, specifically in, like, you know, Disney and even to some degree DreamWorks stuff and, just, you know, all these big names, is that you have a hero who is, I mean, they have flaws, obviously, but they're kind of perfect. They kind of see the world through rose-colored glasses. They don't, you know, that from what you can tell, most of them aren't very... <laughs> anxious and don't mess up that often. Obviously that's changing thankfully um because you know we love a good nuanced hero as much as we love a good nuanced villain. But for the most part I think you know getting to see Victor behave in a way where it it was it felt so authentic and it felt so it felt so real and it it felt some like an experience that I could relate to. Like the fact that he Blurts things out of the blue, but he doesn't completely mean, or doesn't have the right words to say specific things, or even trips over his own feet. Like, the fact that they had this character on screen, who was basically, as I said, this big mess, (laughs) was perfect. And it really just got me to really evaluate my own self, and got me to see okay, you know, maybe who I am isn't a bad thing. Maybe being different is something that should be celebrated. And I think that's definitely something that's sort of a common thread throughout most of Burton's filmography, at the very least, from what I can tell. And we haven't even talked about, like, you know, my love of the titular character. Like, I think the one thing that I can really say about Emily, that's her, her name, by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, She's not just referred to as the corpse bride. She has has a name. And I'm going to refer to her as it throughout the, the rest of the segment here. But the thing about Emily is that she's been hurt so many times. Her little heart has been broken so many times to the point where it literally led her to her own demise by being too trusting. Um, Again, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, especially if you want to see it. But, you know, that being said, the fact that she's been through so much trauma and so much pain and is still such an incredibly gentle and loving and friendly soul is something that I see a lot of myself in as well like I've been through a lot growing up. I've been through bullying. I've been through a divorce. I've been through family members having very poor mental health. I've had going through my own mental health sort of situations. I've been through more nonsense even in college. And just, you know, the stress of being alive <laughs> is hard. Yeah, to just a,
0: yeah, yeah. Simply put, you've just you've just been through a lot of
1: Yeah, I have been. I've been, but it's funny. It's like, you know, I see a lot of myself in Emily because I've been through hell and still come out singing. I've, people who have told me, you know, you can't do this or you can't be this wrong. And ultimately I've still maintained my loving heart and I didn't let my pain stop me being someone who can show immense love and care and compassion, and I mean, it's funny. I was even talking about this movie with my one of my therapists, and uh, <laughs> she was like, "Name one character who has been done dirtier than Emily the Corpse Bride." And we looked at each other, and we looked at we were like, "We can't. We, you literally can't." Like she's been through so much, and just the fact that she is who she is a beautiful soul inside and out is just something that I I think really stuck with me as a kid and really sticks with me now. I think overall, um, yeah, I just, I, I think, you know, I see this character and I aspire to be more and more like her every day because of the fact that, like, you know, I think yeah, as I keep saying, like, it, this is, these are these characters, and this is this movie that real, made me realize, like, you know, even despite what you've been through, it's still you, and it's still, and you can still be someone who is loving and gentle and loved, too. I could go on forever, but. Yeah, this movie, I think, it just, it, it touches my heart in ways that I, I don't even think I can completely verbally describe, and I think it just has such a great message about forgiving who yourself and accepting yourself, but also, like, you know, be what it's like to be young and in love and be really nervous and having... You know all these different things, sort of like you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, and people are against you, and yeah, it's it's just an interesting it's just an interesting movie. I think overall, I can't really even do it justice with describing what it is, but that's at least what it is to me, because I think it's it's overall a story about perseverance. It's about a perseverance of a young groom wanting to return home to be with his living love, as well as the perseverance of a broken-hearted undead bride who is. Constantly trying and seeking to find someone who is ultimately going to help her realize that she is, you know, perfect the way she is. Maybe not necessarily fix, quote-unquote, all of her problems like she initially thought, but at the very least, you know, mutually come to an understanding that, you know, you you are worthy of love no matter who you are and what you look like, um... Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely movie. And I, I can't recommend it enough, especially around Halloween time.
0: Yeah. A really good movie to get into. The way that Emily carried herself throughout the movie, I think that's really admirable because even in death, she is she is she is a survivor. The way she has carried herself, I think it's just, you know it yeah. is just admirable
1: Yeah, it's. That's all
0: I. That's all I can say. No,
1: that's totally fair. Like, I, I think. Yeah this this whole movie just natural. It's naturally beautiful. Period. The score, the visuals, the characters, everything. It's it's lovely. But you know that being said, I think yeah. There's there's a certain. It, it takes my quote Emily here. It takes my breath away. Well, what if I had any? Oh. <laughs> um yeah yeah she she's i i I can't i can't praise her more she's just one of those characters that i think is like a once in a lifetime sort of situation and the sooner you get to realize who she is and the sooner you realize you know the fact that this is ultimately a story of self-acceptance and survival and love i think is just something that you know will further enhance your viewing of the film and how you view this specific character but yeah she's a queen we love her
0: (laughs) yes she did not deserve to be treated the way she was in the real world corpus brian can also be bought on various services like prime video uh anyway uh sheriff Callie's wild west this was a show that uh that i got into for a brief little while, actually, uh, after I guiled the Brony Fandom. And what this show is kind of really about, I don't know if you've heard about this, Emma, but but um, but um, this show is kind of really about this uh, this Sheriff Calco cat named Callie. Who keeps an eye over on this western town called Nice and Friendly Corners. And, uh, of course, she's got her sidekicks and uh, Deputy Peck and, of course, a talking cactus named um,
1: Toby. Toby.
0: Yes. Oh, so you've heard about this then? Yes,
1: I have heard about this show. It was really, really cute. I actually, um, my sister for her birthday one year actually specifically requested a Toby plush. So, yeah, I she has Peck and Toby figurines. Um, <laughs> very cute little show. In fact, I actually got one of their, like, little musical interludes, released a little part of it, stuck in my head a few days ago, specifically on the episode with, uh, not judging a book by its cover because the main—not the main character, but the the side character that was introduced in an episode—is a wolf. Uh, <laughs> so that being, I think it was a dentist or something like that. So yeah, that being said, I've I've definitely heard of the show and it's very
0: cute. I see. So we can. So we could both talk about this then. So, uh, but uh, I kind of want to, you know, talk a little bit about the main character itself. Callie is voiced by Mandy Moore. And Mandy is better known as the voice of Rapunzel in Tangled. And I thought Mandy did a really great job, you know, bringing Callie to life in this uh, in this TV series. Even though it only lasted for, like, two seasons. But, but this was a really great show about, you know, getting along with friends and acquaintances. Almost in the same... If you think about it, almost in the same vein... As uh, my little pony, friendship is magic, but but it's but this is has its own energy. Obviously, this being a Western preschooler show, it's got its own little thing going, and especially with uh, you know with the songs that that it has, you know, especially since it's a Disney prop property and all that. But yeah, it was just a really great show that uh, that I got into for a brief little while. Uh, in fact.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it's funny, like, I remembered, um, I was sort of in the fandom. I wouldn't call myself, like, officially, uh, in it or whatever, but I did do a a little bit of fan art for it back when I was, um, back when I was, you know, starting out as an artist. At least, you know, taking, starting to take it more seriously or whatever, or, you know, the very, or, you know, put it more bluntly, I guess, you know, starting my journey on DeviantArt and, you know, sharing my work with the world. But I remember drawing Callie a few times. I think I also did like a, you know, like a character in the real world sort of situation. Like, I remember drawing her, cutting her out of paper, and then sticking her in, like, a plastic tub full of, like, Haribo happy cola. It was also, like, it was like cherry coke flavored gummies. And they were sour. I vividly remember this picture in my head but yeah it was it was funny like i i briefly got into the show as well and i definitely um yeah it was it was something that i i think it was it was more of like an interlude i guess quote unquote to you know waiting for octonauts to come on or you know it would come on afterwards or whatever the case was or it was just on and you know i, I needed something to watch so i turned that on Um, But yeah, I think overall, as Adrian said, it was definitely a really cute show. And I think it had a lot of positive messages about, you know, being nice to other people and being helpful and being kind and telling the truth and not judging a book by its cover. Uh, You know, as I mentioned previously, once again, the one of the episodes that I definitely remember off the top of my head had a wolf character in it. So not surprising that I remember that. But yeah, I think overall, it's it's definitely one of the better preschool cartoons out there. Especially if you know, as I said, I think you know there has been, as we even said during like Bluey segments and the Octonauts segments that we've done in the past, but. You know, there has recently been, like, a shift in preschool programming in order to make it <laughs> basically, partially, you know, more tolerable for parents and older kids in the family, but also just making it more of a universal, quote-unquote, sort of experience. And I think there's a lot of psychology that you can really go into about, like, the structure and the topics that preschool shows in particular, I mean, cartoons in general, but specifically preschool-oriented cartoons, discuss. And the fact that, I mean, once again, I was talking about this with other people, but it's so funny that a majority of the lessons that we should have learned from watching cartoons growing up, some people don't really seem to grasp uh, into adulthood, and that's like a whole other can of worms, but, you know... (laughs) That being said, I think people could learn a thing or two from shows that basically just promote the value of kindness and understanding and compassion, such as Sheriff Callie's Wild West and a multitude of other animated series.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Definitely a lot of lessons to be learned, you know, especially from cartoons in general and especially Sheriff Callie. Uh, Sheriff Callie's Wild West streaming on Disney+. Plus, and speaking of octonauts, let's get into it right now. Here, actually, uh, so octonauts, of course, uh, we have talked about it uh, before earlier in the show. Not, not in this episode, but but in a past episode of the show. So we must not, you know, get a little too
1: too carried away
0: <laughs> too carried away with the, describing the show. But uh but we haven't really talked about our personal experiences with the program yet. So why don't you start off first?
1: Yeah, I mean, Octonauts was something that I kind of discovered out of the blue. Uh, once again, <laughs> unintentional puns there. But I vividly remember being, uh, like, maybe, I think the show came out at, like when I was, like, 11 or something like that. 10 or 11. Uh, I remember searching up, like, new, like, cute new desktop wallpapers that I could use for my laptop. And I found, like, a mock-up of a scene from the intro that was done by the Octonauts modeling team. And it was Peso with, um, I think he's with an angler fish or something like that. And Quasi and Barnacles were inside of the gup A. And they were just looking on while Peso was doing his thing. And I'm like, wow, this is really cute. Um, these characters are great. And, you know, later on I realized, wait a minute, these characters are in a new cartoon that I'm hearing about. And that got me even more excited. Like, what are the odds that I discovered that this, these characters in the series existed way, 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 way before even I heard about the show in general? So you know that being said, I think the second i I, I realized that it was a show, I, you know i I woke up early in particular to watch it, and I just instantly fell in love. I don't know if I've told you this, Adrian, but I remember being a really young kid, and I was really, really into marine biology. And I knew a lot about fish and sharks and all these different, like, sea creatures. And, of course, you know, I was into penguins and a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that being said, I, I, I used to go to, like, you know, our marine life, museum and our aquariums and stuff all the time as a kid. Like, it was just something that I just, I I absolutely adored. So even though I I had sort of grown out of that phase by the time I was 11, it was still like a nice callback to who I used to be and something that I used to really, really enjoy. And I also got to learn a lot about new animals that I had either never heard before or had only known so many things about. So... You know, that being said, I was, like, massively, massively in the fandom for, for I think, since from I was, when I was, like, 11 to when I was, like, maybe 15 or something like that. Obviously, I'm still a part of it, but, like, not as active, of course. Um, and once again, I still haven't seen Above and Beyond or many of the... <laughs> <laughs> or a few of the the newer specials, so I need to get to, I need to get to that, I need to get to the musical special, I need to get to a couple of other things. But, you know, this show had such a massive impact on me because of the fact that I think it was, it was one of those things that it wasn't completely, like, you know, the, as I keep saying, the nail in the coffin as to, yeah, I want to be a part of this industry, but... This show in particular, I think, was really got me... I think it was was like the first studio, I think it was Brown Bag, that was actually uh, initially working on the show before it was
0: transferred.
1: Yeah, yeah, before it was transferred over to Silvergate and, you know, back and forth between other studios.
0: Well, actually, Silvergate was... uh, They were the main production company. Brown Bag was providing the animation for the program. And then Mainframe took over that aspect of production uh after season four
1: okay that makes sense that makes sense but yeah you know it was funny I was, I was thinking to myself you know I want to work on the show and I want to you know provide concepts and characters and you know episode ideas I remember even writing my own mock screenplays of Octonauts and doing all my research into all these different species of animals and, and things and you know I think I tried to send it to someone in an email that was, you know, involved with the show. Obviously, I, I never heard back. I don't even think they got my email initially because I think it just, you know, failed. But, you know, at the same time, it, 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 it got me into, in, indirectly, of course, but into my love of screenwriting and it got me, you know, as, it was like my first studio that I had in my mind that like, okay, I want to work here. Once again, that's obviously has changed over the course of my life because then eventually, you know, it evolved into me wanting to work at Leica. And we'll get into Leica a little bit later. Um, and then wanting to work at a couple other studios. And then now I have Clay is like, the main goal. You know, that being said, it's still... The show definitely gave me... If anything, it gave me a lot of comfort and it gave me a lot of, like... It's funny, it was like it made me wonder, like, where has this been all my life? <laughs> Especially since the Octonauts existed even when I was, you know, at the, the quote-unquote at the right age. Once again, I, I use that term loosely because anyone can watch Octonauts and enjoy it. But, you know, these characters have ex- existed since I was young and through the storybooks that they were initially based off of, you know, thanks to the incredible uh duo Maomi design it was like a sort of a better late than never sort of situation you know i'm, I'm just happy i discovered it and i'm so happy that it, it overall i think it just made me improve my artwork a lot and it got me to love screenwriting and it got me to just really appreciate who i was as a kid too it's like a younger kid too um, and that it just also provided me with a lot of comfort, like, you know, as I mentioned before, I got a lot of comfort out of Peso, specifically him being, you know, the, the nervous sort of character, the compassionate character, but also, like, you know, the son of a sing- of most likely a single mom, um, and a bunch of other different stuff in general. But, yeah, overall, I think this show in general has just has meant a lot to me over the years, and even though I've I've sort of moved on to greener pastures, even though like I said, I'm still very much into the show. I still love it. I'm just not super active in the fandom anymore. Um yeah, it just it gave me another reason to love animation and to love myself in a way.
0: Yeah. Thing is, uh the Octonauts kind kinda of really I kinda of really got into marine biology for a bit thanks to them. And also it inspired me to, you know, work at SeaWorld albeit within like the food and beverage culinary department sort of thing. But I was just I, I just kind of wanted to further, you know, my interest with the with the whole marine biology thing, all the sea creatures and the, the Octonauts provided a gateway to that and Seaworld kind of really provided me an opportunity to learn more about, you know, how the animals, you know, they can be taken care of and just in general more about the animals that they ha- they showcase uh throughout the park. But uh anyway, I worked there for like 3 years and it ended not not on my own terms, so to speak, but that is a whole different story for another time, but but basically the Optimizers have really they were very pivotal, you know, in my life uh in a very critical time, you know, as a teenager growing up and and you know, getting to college and for for a little while and and then, you know, starting working, starting to work at SeaWorld. And then, you know, there's a lot more that I I could say about it, but this is a this is a very this was a very special show to me. This is still a very special show. And I'm glad it's still going on with Above and Beyond, and, and you know, with the recent slew of specials that they put out on Netflix. So I, I'm really I'm just really hopeful that uh, you know the show can go on. At least the franchise can go on for for quite a for quite a while because I think, you know, there is a generation, at least a generation or two that, you know, that can, you know, learn more about about our ocean and even about, you know, the land animals, especially in above and beyond, you know, they can learn more about that. And And also about the environment that we live in as well, especially with beyond getting into you know climate change and whatnot, and and just acknowledging that it's happening, it's it's kind of we're starting to see the effects of it. So yeah, nothing nothing more that I can really explain or talk about off the top of my head. But this is a really special show that that you and I have bonded over, uh, especially when I was you know. Getting out of the Brony fandom and and kind of really, you know, trying to start over, so to speak, and and, uh, get into something new. And and who knew this would kind of really grow into, you know, doing this podcast, like I said in the last episode.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was... Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm just thankful that the Octonauts basically led me to you, and led led me to this friendship, and led to this podcast. Basically, I think overall, just yeah, it it was. It's. It's. It's a wonderful show, and I'm just genuinely very thankful that it's provided so much comfort and happiness and friendship in my life. I think it's just something that I'm overall just very thankful exists, and I'm very thankful. To have had and still to to this day have.
0: Yeah, and uh, and we just owe I just owe a debt of gratitude to them for you know not only being a great show, providing like you know you know lessons about you know the animals in both the ocean and and on land, but also but also the fact that again that this show led me to you and and vice versa, and yeah. This is just uh this is just one of those shows that uh, you know, once you've um you know, within the fandom once you've once you've met somebody that, you know, that uh you share a common interest with, you just kinda really, you know, get to learn more about and then, you know, friendship kinda strikes from there. So that's really that's really the best thing that's really the best thing to have happened to me.
1: Uh uh. That's wonderful. I, I I agree with you. That's the same it's 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 absolutely the same thing. Um on my end as well. So yeah, thank you, Octonauts.
0: <laughs> yes. I actually have I actually have tear I have tears coming out. I'm sorry. Aww. Oh my god. Oh, Who knew this would lead to this? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it's oh. okay.
1: It's okay. Cry it out. If you need to cry, then cry.
0: Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna miss doing this with you for the next, for the rest of this month, really. I'm just going to, I'm really going to miss this.
1: I understand.
0: Oh my Hugo. god.
1: Hey, we're going to return, we're going to come back and we're going to come back <sighs> and make the show even better than it already is. Yes. Think of this as an opportunity for rejuvenation and then rebirth.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes to all that. Oh. Oh man. Oh. I did not expect it to hit me like a ton of bricks, but uh but that just happened. That just that just happened. It just it just happened. We, I just let it out, and, uh, that's really, that's just a part of human nature.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't know how to top that, but let's go on to Kubo, then.
1: Yeah. So this is probably going to be our last segment of the night, and once again, you revealed this to me during our little mini-break. But Kubo and the Two Strings, my goodness. Ah. Oh. It was funny. The movie was something that I was, like, really, really hyped about as, (laughs) I think, I think the movie came out when I was, like, 14, 15, something like that. 15, I think. Yeah, 15. 15 sounds right. Um, And I remember, you know, making fan art and talking about it and stuff like that. And I remember being really, really excited about it and really hyped about it and talking to you in particular about it. And basically, I got you to join the Leica fandom because of my just constant, uh, my constant pressuring of you not only to, like, you know, see this movie once I finally saw it, of course, but also just because of the fact that, yeah, it it was a stop-motion animated movie, and it looked really, really cool. Going back to my, my past and stuff, and of course, you know, all my, my whole spiel on Corpse Bride, of course, you can probably t- uh, tell, you know, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes before this, but I'm a huge stop-motion-aholic. <laughs> I initially wanted to be a stop-motion animator before I realized that doing stop-motion and appreciating stop-motion are two totally different things, uh, and I'm just not physically built for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that level of patience. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that being said, I vividly remember being super excited to see this movie, especially because, you know, I enjoyed pretty much everything that Leica had put out before that point. And, you know, I was, I was, I was more of a casual, like, a fan before I got really, really deep into Kubo. But, you know, finally getting to see that movie and getting to watch, you know, getting to learn more about its production and learn more about the characters and the storyline as well as just the fact that overall the story is something that is very personal to the character's initial creator, Shannon Tindall, who, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he initially wrote it as like an original fairy tale for his wife, which just that touched me getting to hear that specific story. And in general, I think, you know, that being said, I I really love whenever a film has, regardless of the medium, regardless of the characters, regardless of whatever, I really love it when a film is very personal to the people who were involved in making it. I mean, technically... A majority of movies are because of the fact that like you know why would you direct something if you had no connection to it other than maybe a paycheck but you know even still i think a majority of directors wouldn't take a job in something that they're, they're horribly uninterested in at least just you know that's my that you know i could be wrong because <laughs> once again the film industry is still an industry to put it bluntly but you know that being said, I think having that level of personal touch and that level of personal element in addition to the intimacy of, stop mo- of the stop motion medium was something that I was definitely really drawn to. And the fact that overall it's just a story about, again, a character who goes through hell and comes out singing. Um, again, not to spoil anything, especially since this movie is still relatively recent, but... <laughs> Kubo goes through a lot in his journey, and I mean, basically, you know, he's hes also only like 12 or 13 years old in the movie, too, and to some degree, he kind of doesn't initially take the whole situation with the Moon King and with uh, his mother's sisters and all that stuff too seriously, which is understandable because of the fact that, you know, he's a kid and he just wants to have fun and tell his stories. It's another reason why I connect with Kubo so much is because he's ultimately a storyteller. Once he starts to really clue in on the fact that, you know, my life is in danger and my family's life is in danger and he starts to, you know, assume more responsibility and he ultimately, you know, saves, yeah, like I said, he saves the day and he provides this incredible impactful speech basically by nearing the end of the film, that just had me in tears basically like there are two movies that i will watch constantly and never not tear up by some point and that is corpse bride and kubo uh both of these movies just touch me in ways that are beyond what i could even describe to uh make another horrible pun but kubo really tugs at your heartstrings <laughs> Uh, they used "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" at the end for a reason.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think also you know seeing a character, seeing a young character who is a storyteller, I think was something that you know had another impact on me as well. Like it, it really the film carries on this idea of the importance of storytelling, both through you know. How we use it to entertain but also how we use it in order to remember people who have passed on and to remember who we are and what we stand for and you know that being said the fact that basically you know the end of one story is the beginning of the beginning of another like that's that's a quote from the film that i think in particular just i think it it's it really sticks with me oh great now <laughs> Add that to the list of potential grad cap quotes I could use. Oh, man. I still don't know what I'm going to put on my graduation cap. Um, I may have decided. I, I'm thinking I'm leaning towards doing a bluey thing, but now I've got another idea. Great.
0: <laughs> I'm, sure you'll get, I'm sure you'll get it all figured out uh, before graduation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've got till at the very least the 11th, because that's when grad cap decorating day is. Um, but, you know, that being said, the fact that the story put, the the film put such an emphasis on storytelling and its importance, and the importance of the stories that we hear and that we tell ourselves, I think is just something that, again, dumb puns, I guess, but really struck a chord with me. Being someone who aspired to be like Kubo and to, to tell stories... And to use those stories in order to basically make a change, be it through entertainment or be it through changing minds in some way. Uh, as we can see in the end with a pretty big Reformation arc. I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to spoil anything for people who haven't seen this movie and who want to see this movie, but there is a character Reformation uh, situation and it's quite lovely. And it's basically all partially kickstarted uh, by Kubo's gentleness and kindness and love and stories. Overall, this movie has had a, pr- a pretty profound impact on me. And once again, it, w- it sort of kicked off my I want to work at Laika <laughs> phase. I still kind of want to work at Laika, but not at the, you know, animation level, more of like the pre-production side of things. You know, if I possibly could, that would be fantastic. I actually applied to an internship at Leica, fingers crossed. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, that being said, I think this movie has had such a profound impact on my life, and it it basically just reaffirmed everything that I thought to be true about life, especially with, you know, the context of the importance of storytelling. Um, And, you know, you and I were... were (laughs) Back when I was on Tumblr, we used to have this Kubo blog called Kudos to Kubo, and I think yes, we, I think we yes. have a dis- we still have a Discord server that's somewhat. It's not really active, but It's not
0: active. We, but no. we still
1: have the Discord server dedicated to this movie and these characters. And yeah, I remember you and I talking <laughs> so much during our the, our peak Kubo obsession, so to speak. <laughs> um specifically around like award season like okay who's going to back back kind of what we did at the beginning of the season of like you know what are we going to do or you know who's going to who's going to win who's going to take home x y and z and um you know uh, 2016 was Seven. a year that i spent a good portion of my life at the movies specifically seeing animated movies um I think it, it was funny. It was like you know, I I just I wanted to consume so much animation that year, just because of the fact that I, I obviously wanted to study it, and I wanted, and you know, I was drawn to what was being released that year. But I also basically wanted to like, <laughs> after I saw Kubo, it was kind of like, okay, who who are, who who's the competition here? <laughs> You and I can obviously tell that we were both pretty shocked and uh, and not very happy.
0: Disappointed, yes.
1: When uh, when Kubo didn't take home the uh, the Oscars
0: in particular, I even had like this uh, this drawing prepared. Uh, I, I when I was dedicated enough to even draw for that matter, for that matter, uh, of Kubo holding an Oscar. So uh, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I jinxed it. Maybe I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was that or maybe it was the, maybe maybe it was just Disney you know pretty much just trying to you know dominate the category again anyway so i I, I don't know I don't know but but it was just uh but it's still this was a this was an underrated film that um that uh well it didn't really do too well with the box office but it was still a great film
1: absolutely yeah I mean, it's funny like even flops still have can have such a big profound impact on people's lives and just because something flops doesn't mean it's not a good movie and i I think that's definitely something that i've i've definitely realized specifically with you know how much i've i loved kubo and how much i enjoy the movie you know everyone who saw the movie around me enjoys it too Like, I think, it's funny, like, my grandmother, I think she even credits Kubo as being one of her favorite movies of all time because of just how visually striking and how lovely, in general, this movie really was and is. So, yeah, undirty. Thanks, Disney.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, this, uh... This film was really the sticking point for me to get into animation because this was just so because the animation was done so beautiful so beautifully, especially within the stop motion medium. Stop motion is uh, very; it's quite painstaking to do, and the level of dedication you have to take to to tell a good story like Kubo did that is something applaudable and admirable and just all just all of that. This was really the one film that that got me into animation and and really, you know, also got me into also something that kind of really how should I say this? This was also the film that um really enhanced uh my understanding of, you know, storytelling because Kubo you know, telling his stories, you know, and, and then living the story, so to speak, you know, those are two totally different things, but that, but that can really happen. But, but at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, if you, when you tell stories, you, you might end up, you know, changing somebody's life, or you might make somebody, or at the very least, end up making somebody else's day. But that is what storytelling is. Storytelling is, of course, at the heart of animation, especially Every, just with any other movie that, be it you know live action or whatnot, but um, yeah, this was the this was the film that that got me into animation, and I'm just I'm just really glad we you got me into it, and and we just kind of obsessed over it for quite a while. Especially after Kubo lost the Oscar to Zootopia, we kind of started this whole kudos to Kubo thing, and we kind of kept it going for like a couple of years. So. I would love to bring it back, especially you know with the uh, with the anniversary coming up, and I sure would love to talk more about this film at some point uh, during our podcast later on. So maybe maybe in a future episode we'll we'll get to discuss a little bit more about it. But anyway, Kubo is uh, streaming for a limited time actually on Tubi, uh, but otherwise you can buy it on iTunes or, or or Apple TV, Amazon Prime, whatnot. Yeah, just a great film, just a great film that uh sadly flopped but still a great film a fantastic film about storytelling and living the story and changing the lives of countless other people that's all i can summarize about it but anyway so so all of these films that you know all of these shows and films that inspired us looking back upon it you know I don't think we would have had it like any other way, the way our journey has, the way our respective journeys have went.
1: Oh, yeah, no, like, I, it's funny. I think to myself, like, everything that I've ever been interested in is just something that, it made me who I am, as, you know, even the title basically suggested, the tunes that made us. Like, if I had gone on my life without even one of these things, I think my... I could have been a very different person. I'm not necessarily saying I could have been a better or worse person, but I could be a very different person if I hadn't been exposed to and hadn't fallen in love with everything that I did. So, you know, that being said, I think... Going once again, you know, to wrap this up, I suppose, but going back to just the impact animation has on people's lives, this, I think, you know, you and I are a testament to that because, you know, who we are and what we enjoy are, you know, often connect hand in hand. So, yeah, that being said, I'm just incredibly thankful that i was able to to have all these wonderful things in my life and still have so many of these wonderful things in my life and overall i'm just i'm genuinely thankful that in one way shape or form these shows movies whatever have given me basically partially given me my, my personhood but also given me such a strong passionate love of animation the point where i've you know told myself that i want to be one of those people who tells stories that impact people so yeah as i conclude a majority of our segments like this special thanks to everyone involved in everything that we've talked about you all are incredible human beings um Overall, I think, you know, without you, I wouldn't be who I am today. So, again, just thank you for providing me with comfort and joy and happiness and all the wonderful things from childhood on.
0: Certainly, and amen to all that. So, yeah. Yeah, so that was like an hour or so of uh, talking about... The cartoons that made that made uh, both of us wow <laughs> <laughs> i did not think it was gonna be that long
1: <laughs> i kind of did to some degree because we had a lot to talk about
0: <laughs> anyway uh we are gonna go ahead and take a. we're gonna go ahead and take another break here and we're gonna be we will return to wrap up the show at least uh for the first part of this season in fact we'll be right back Of the show really, uh since we have talked so much about the uh, tunes that made us, uh we don't really have uh we don't really have an everything else segment uh for for this week. Uh and uh I guess it's for good reason because of course uh we are gonna be going on hiatus uh for the rest of this month, uh for May of 2023. And of course, you know, you Emma you are graduating from university of the arts in Philadelphia and you've got a lot on your plate ahead of you there. So, um, you've got most of your work done. You've got, you pretty much got everything, you know, handled. And I know you're probably a little bit tired, but, uh, but, uh, any, any final thoughts before, before you, you know, get on with, uh, with the process of graduating from college?
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) got a lot to say about this topic, but once again i i i yeah i'm as you said, I'm very tired, so I want to try and you know we also talked to pretty much like an hour and thirty minutes or so about all these different animated properties, so I want to try to keep this as brief as possible yeah this is this has been our longest episode we that we've done probably <laughs> that being said, I'm just in general I'm as scary as things are and as sad as i am to be taking a bit of a break at the same token i also need to you know go back to my own advice that i gave you and gave pretty much you know anyone who listens that breaks are incredibly necessary and they're especially mandatory for neurodivergent people so you know that being said i feel like you know as we said before um since we're gonna go quote-unquote, hibernate, I suppose, for a little bit. We're going to come back bigger and better and stronger and continue to talk about all the things that we love and we enjoy. And, I mean, you know, I guess leading into sort of an obligatory thank you statement, but thank you, Adrian, of course, for A, suggesting that we do this, and be, you know, for being such a fantastic co-host throughout these past few weeks that we've been hosting this show together. I mean, it's it's been incredibly fun just talking with you about all these things that I sincerely and that you sincerely love and enjoy. And... Of course, thank you to our listeners, whether or not this is your first episode or your, you know, or you've been here since the beginning. I I sincerely like to thank you for tuning in and making, you know, the show you know, basically <laughs> Making the show possible in a lot of ways, like you know, we're we're doing this because we love it, of course. But you know, we're also thankful that we have other people who, you know, enjoy the same kind of things that we enjoy, and that appreciate the kind of things that we appreciate, and that can you know listen to us talk and listen to us talk about the thing these things and think, oh, you know, I've never seen it that way, or oh, I you know, I thought. I was the only one who had these you know thoughts on this subject um so overall i mean i think my my main goal at the very least is to continue to you know to educate people obviously you know about the nuance of animation but also just you know as i keep saying i'm doing this to have fun with you know one of my most amazing friends and overall I'm just I'm thankful that we have been given such a great opportunity in order to do this. And I can hardly wait until we come back and hit record again.
0: Yeah. I'm really going to miss doing this with you at least for the rest of this month because it's been so much fun, you know, sitting down and chatting with you about what's going on in animation and and also about the about the TV shows and the movies that we've been into is within the animated medium. But I think this break is going to be worth it, especially because we've got some exciting stuff coming up and that we have planned for June and July. And also I'm also working on refreshing the podcast a bit. And uh, so that's going to include like a new, a new look. And uh, as I said uh, last week, we also, we are also going to have a brand new announcer in uh, Jared Harris. Now Jared is a he is a professional within the within the broadcasting industry. Jared, if you're listening to this, hi. I don't know if you want this out, out like out of the blue this way, but but uh Jared is a professional within the broadcast industry. He also worked at uh uh a few TV stations, uh, notably KI in Austin, Texas, the CBS affiliate in that market. And uh he's also he's kind of really, you know, He likes to do voiceovers, and when I heard his work over on this server called 31 Broadcast Plaza that uh, this guy named Jim Stanton, who also runs uh, Studio 31 Media Archive and 31 Rewind, and also does this podcast called uh, Broadcast Bulletin about the television news industry and also the wider broadcast industry in general. So if anything, that might be worth checking out, especially if you might be a little bit interested in that podcast. And I know Jared has also done an interview with Jim and you'll probably hear his story on a future episode of that one. But anyway, and and he's going to be the voice leading you listeners like into the show through the breaks and then, uh, and then also ending the show as well. So it's going to be really, it's going to be really fun to see how it's all going to be put together, especially since I'm putting it together anyway, but it's going to be really fun to see how it's going to, how it's going to sound. And, you know, Eventually, I think it's going to result in a much better sounding product. Really.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I'm I'm incredibly thankful that we basically have a producer now. Like that's
0: just
1: that's well, just... not really a
0: producer and announcer actually, but I'm still, oh. I'm kind of still producing the show.
1: Yeah, still. I mean, at the very least, I'm glad we have another person who is joining us on this journey, and I'm genuinely looking forward to you know, as you said seeing the way things are going to adjust and change as you know as we get more people involved and I think overall I'm I'm genuinely happy that we have him on board so again if you're listening thank you first of all
0: uh well I kind of roped I kind of roped it in into our little podcast but uh any, but anyway <laughs> but
1: <laughs> but still you know thank you thank you for 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 being on board but yeah, I mean in general, I'm just looking forward to seeing what this podcast will become in the future and I think you know we've we've got a really really bright future ahead of us. Be it, you know, through this podcast and just in general, like you know sky's the limit right now and i'm genuinely looking forward to once again returning to recording again because as you said we still have a lot more to talk about we have we've barely even scratched the surface of what you know the animation wasn't an in, in, animation industry wasn't is so yeah that being said, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing what else we come up with in the future. And I just hope you guys all continue to come along for the ride.
0: Yeah, definitely. So as for the changes that I mentioned, you'll have to stay tuned uh, for, for that. We will be returning on June 6th with all new episodes uh, in June and July. So I hope you'll be able to tune in with us uh, by then. In the meantime, all that I can ask for you folks... Hey, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell tell them about us. And uh, and, you know, if there's an episode you like listening to, listen to it again. If there's an episode you haven't been listening to yet, listen to that as well. But uh all I'm asking is, you know, tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them that, you know, we're on hiatus right now, but we've got a couple episodes that you, you know, you want to listen to, and that we'll be that we will be back. We will be back in June. We will be back with 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 a lot more to talk about in the realm of animation and and everything else that we can think of, off, of our to- off at the top of our heads. So that is all I can ask for while we are on break. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much, that is pretty much about it. That is pretty much about it. But before I pre- forget, I also want to thank uh, Matthew Rohde for being our first guest on the podcast uh, as well. Uh, he was on our Super Mario Brothers episode, Super Mario Brothers movie episode, excuse me. And uh, in fact, it is the most uh, out of the out of the episodes that we have done up to this episode, the most played episode by far. I, the last time I checked, it was at 143 plays.
1: Hey, that's awesome!
0: Yeah, so I think I think it's just, it was just a stroke of luck that we kind of got got that point, I think. I think, I, I don't know. Maybe Matthew must have gotten the word out about it about his appearance on there, and uh, I guess the views kind of got the way it did. But also because of the timing of, well, uh, how we did this movie, especially it being very close to when it debuted in theaters. So anyway, uh, thank you, Matthew, for coming on board, being our first guest. And uh, yeah, I would love to have more guests on the show, especially those who are fans of animation. Maybe we can hear, you know, their side of, uh, you know, certain, you know, certain topics and, and, and whatnot, even, even outside of animation too. I, and I would love to, you know, I would love to have that as well. Bring, and, have these guys bring a different flavor to this podcast that that we can you know vibe along to and you know kind of really just you know just trying to adjust to you know especially you know when when they're on the podcast (laughs) i i don't have any more words but uh but i i'm just looking forward to what's next with this podcast and of course, the work's going to begin after this episode, uh, during this month when we are on break. So I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to begin working on these changes. I cannot wait to listen to my listen for myself. You know what that's going to be like. So, yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in. These past what nine episodes so far? I think. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Nine episodes. So. So thank you so much for listening. We will be back June 6th. But for now, I am Adrian Mata. And I'm Emma Settles. We'll see you in June, folks. See you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.
0: has been the Zachary and Peaches Show, produced, edited, and co-hosted by Adrian Mata and co-hosted with Emma Settles. The Zachary and Peaches Show is a Zackland Original Podcast.